Hey, what's going on? DC Cole here. It's your boy, DC Cole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hope you're doing well. Hope the weather is treating you good. I'm in my little booth down here in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and it is hot as shit. I'm sweating. I'm always sweating. And the funny thing is I work at night, but I close these doors and it gets real stuffy, and I'm just dripping with sweat. I know that's not sexy, especially when you see the puddle I'm sitting in, but that's the way it is, people. I work hard for the money. Anyway, I'm pretty sure my neighbors think my house is haunted because I am the pastiest motherfucker in all of Brazil. And I'm only awake at night and I'm walking around in front of the windows with my pasty skin, my pasty ass hanging out. I'm pretty sure they, they don't see me during the day. And they just look over at night and be like, ah, there's a ghost in that motherfucker right there. <laughs> That's me. I'm just uh, haunting this motherfucker and trying to come up with something interesting to say. <laughs> I don't think I've succeeded. Anyway, I got a series coming up. It's a six-book series. Uh, it's called The Family Creed Series by Shauna Allen. And I am really, is that what it's called? The Family Creed? Let me take a fat, quick look, because I do not want to fuck that up. I'm pretty sure it's called The Family Creed. It could be The Creed Family. Let me see. Amazon.com. Author Shauna with an H. There you go, buddy. Shauna Allen. And yes, yes, indeed. The Family Creed. So it's The Family Creed series. It's six books. This is an interesting series because it's five, it's a family of six siblings, uh, the sister and the five brothers, and the first five books are all from the point of view of the brothers, and the whole book is, is, a, is the point of the first person POV. So I have to come up with five voices that I can narrate an entire book in, and they all got to be kind of in that alpha male sexy voice, which, you know, is always a struggle. And I got to come up with five of them. So I figured I would just kind of do that here and record it. And then you can see my process. If you're interested, you can see how ridiculous I am and how bad my, my pronunciation is and when I don't warm up. And I'm also watching a basketball game. So this should be fun. Anyway, I got the notes here in front of me that Shauna sent to me. And so I'll just read them to you and then you'll hear me kind of come up with voices. And if you're interested, that's what we're going to do. And I'll tell you what, if you hang with me to the end, I'll play the prologue to the entire series. What do you think? Deal? You don't have a choice. Anyway, the first book is called The Executioner. And the, the main character is Asher Creed. He is an ex-army ranger turned executioner or an executioner on death row after an injury sidelined his military career. He's no-nonsense, he's strong, stand-up personality, think military bearing. A bit of a dominant side, again, military. So, that's what I gotta do here for Asher. And I think that's pretty simple. I'll just keep him kind of right here in my natural, in my natural non-smiling voice. Because I, I think he's, uh, he's uh, not to give too much away, but every, every single character, all these brothers kind of went through a tragedy, then plus another tragedy. And this whole series, it works kind of as one overarching story, but there is a romance uh, aspect to each book that is complete within each book. But the whole mystery kind of, it takes place within, in the course of these six books. 
So this guy, I think he's, I think if I don't smile and I just kind of talk like this, that's going to be, it's, it's really close to my normal voice, but a little throatier, kind of a little bit back in the throat, a little bit more military, strong, no nonsense. So I think this is Asher Creed right here. Not too much different, not, not all that different from my normal voice, just a little more in the throat area. Good. One guy down. Next up, book two is called The Rainmaker. And this guy, his name is Levi Creed. Successful businessman in Austin, Texas, he has poured his grief into business to avoid heartache, divorced after the loss of his infant son. That's a lot of tragedy. Oh, God. But he's the rainmaker, so he's a business... Oh, I should tell you what the pictures look like, too. She sent me pictures. So the picture for... Let me go back a little bit. The picture for Asher is this super buff guy. Uh, let me go back a little bit further. Each brother is big, dark-haired, dark-eyed, with the exception of Joshua, the prodigal. And uh, it's a tight-knit family. So this guy, Asher, he, the picture is this... this, this He's got guns. This dude's got some biceps. He's got some army ranger pants. He's got the, the tight the tight tank, uh, what, what do they call it, tight tee with no no uh, no sleeves? I don't know what the fuck they call that. Uh, and then he's got like this hoodie with no sleeves on, and he's just looking dark and imposing, and that's why I think that voice right there. All right, so the next guy, Levi, the successful businessman who has just lost a son, heartache, but he is quite dapper with some shiny black shoes and the, the suit with the uh, with the no tie. He's kind of reminding me a little bit of a, uh, what's that guy? All right, all right, all right. Who, who is that? Who the fuck is that famous actor? Who, uh, he's, I think he's from Louisiana, but he got that accent and he talk a little bit. He's kind of exciting to listen to and talk to. Um, oh, shit, that's going to bother me. Let me go on IMDb real quick. Uh, what the fuck? Interstellar, I think. Inter. Oh my god, I can't type from this angle. Interstellar. Who the hell? Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, he's kind of. I'm getting a Matthew McConaughey vibe. Successful businessman in Austin. He's poured his grief into business to avoid heartache. Divorced after the loss of his infant son. Yeah, I'm going to give him a little bit of this Matthew McConaughey feel. It's a little bit, you could hear the difference in the, uh, Asher was a little bit more back in here on the throat. Where Levi's going to be a little bit up in here, a little bit more breath, a little smoother, maybe a little bit, a little bit more no, a little bit more of the nose noise in there. I'll have to work on that accent though, because I don't want that too obvious. All right, Asher Creed in here, Levi Creed up in here. Good. We're pushing through. Book three, The Gunman, Jameson Creed, named after one of my favorite beverages, Jameson's. He is a SWAT sniper and undercover narcotics officer for Dallas PD. He covers his grief by being the lighthearted one. Oh, great. Lighthearted, lighthearted. So he's probably a jokester. He's telling jokes. He's going to be up in here, maybe. I'm going to give him a little more, no a little more nose. I'm not going to give him much of an accent because I think... It's hard for me to pull off an entire book with an accent. But if I keep him a little bit up in here, a little bit lighter, but then he can go darker when he gets sexy, you know? Keep it down in here a little bit. But I want to make him talk a little bit different than I talk. So what if we move my mouth a little bit more to the side? Yeah, I move my mouth a little bit over here. My name's Jameson Creed, and I'm here to make you laugh. 
I'm here to make you laugh and then drop them panties. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, Jameson, he's going to be up in here a little bit. I think a little bit up in here, maybe a little bit faster talk. He talks a little bit faster, a little bit more out of the side of the mouth. Yeah, it's all right. I got to be careful not to get into Boston over here. He's from Dallas. All these boys are Texas. All these guys are Texas, and that's it. Asher Creed. Let me see if I can do them all. Asher Creed is back in here. A little more throaty. No nonsense. Military. Levi's gonna be a little bit more in there. He's, uh, not Matthew McConaughey, but pretty close. Jameson, I just gotta think about having a shot. Smile from the corner of my mouth. And then I'm Jameson Creed, motherfucker. What's up? I'm a SWAT sniper, undercover narcotics officer for the Dallas PD. <laughs> all right, I think that's three down. Of course, I do these and I'll change as soon as I read the first page of each book. Uh, number four, the prodigal Joshua, the only one who has green eyes. Significant because their missing sister has green eyes. Oh, shit. Spoiler alert. I just gave away that <laughs> their sister is missing. Now, you know, he is a. So let's talk about Joshua Creed. He's a criminal profiler for the FBI in Quantico. He's got those beautiful, sparkling green eyes. Oh, shit. He's quiet. He's distant. He's coped by staying away from the family. And he's got this cool, the picture she sent me is this dude with a, uh, that's a chiseled jaw if I've ever seen one. But he's wearing the, uh, he's wearing the soft zip-up sweater with the high collars. It's, it's, it's white, maybe a little bit creamy colored to say I'm tender. Maybe I speak a little more breathy. Yeah, I'm Joshua Creed and I speak a little bit more here. I'm a little bit quieter and, uh. I move with the front of my mouth a little bit more. I think that's Joshua Creed right there. Of course, when I go back and play this, I might be like, holy shit, that's horrific, and I'll change it all. But anyways, I'm just showing you the process I'm going through. So let me see if I can do these guys again so I don't forget them. Asher Creed, no nonsense, back in here, real throaty. Levi Creed, he's not Matthew McConaughey because, well, he's getting there. <laughs> Work on that accent. Jameson Creed, I'm over here. I'm, no, no, I'm Jameson Creed. I'm Jameson Creed. That's all. That's going to be the hardest one to remember. Out of the corner of my mouth, a little bit up in here, I tell some jokes, I make you laugh, and I have a shot of whiskey. Joshua Creed, I'm a little bit softer spoken. I'm a criminal profiler, and my eyes will make your heart melt. All right, Silas Creed, number five, The Silencer, book five. What do we got here? Silas is an MMA fighter. Did I say MMA? MMA fighter. He's a champion and a bit of a badass. Shauna, I have to disagree. If he's a champion MMA fighter, he is more than a bit of a badass. He is a complete badass. Uh, he's Claire's twin. He's the angriest, most emotional brother since her disappearance. He is broody. He is dark. He is haunted by the loss of his other half. The picture I got here is uh, a guy with a shirt off, lots of tattoos, a uh, lot of muscles, but like those kind of like, he's got some abdominal muscles where you could tell he's not just doing sit-ups, he's lifting heavy shit. And let me see, he's got a gold watch and a gold ring, so he's angry. Uh, how do I, the hard part is I made Asher kind of down in here, no emotional, but this guy's more emotional, he's angry. He speaks maybe more up in here, but I got to give him a little bit more of a, 
I can't get them too throaty, maybe a little bit more right here. Uh, I don't know if that's too nasally. Not to see. I'm Silas. I'm an MMA, I'm an MMA fighter, which means I know how to talk shit, but I'm broody. So I fucking pout like a motherfucker. I'm haunted. I'm haunted. I'm emotional. I can snap. I can snap real easy if I want to. I'm going to have to work on that because I'm a little bit unhappy with the silencer and the gunman, Jameson and Silas. They're a little bit too close. Let me see. How do I do that? Jameson is over here. I'm a narcotics officer. I'm a little bit lighthearted. I make jokes. I keep it up in here. I got to be careful because that's a little bit too Boston. Um, I keep it up in here. I'm lighthearted. I make jokes. I'm lighthearted. I make jokes. I'm going to work on I'm going to give him more of an accent, I think. But I'll worry about that later. And then for the younger guy, Silas. Let me see. He's MMA, so he studies martial arts, but he's broody. He's dark. Maybe he's more up in here. More. Uh, that don't sound like an old mafia fucking cunt. Uh, what do I do? Silas, Silas, angry. MMA fighter. I'm an MMA fighter. I'm, I'm a bit of a badass. I'm a, I'm a hell of a badass. I'm big. I lift weights. I kick, I kick the shit out of people. Yeah, that's me right there. I'm Silas Creed. I'm a badass motherfucker, and I am dark, and I'm broody, and I'm angry, and I got a lot of fucking tattoos. Yeah. I like it. All right, let's see if I can remember all of these. Asher Creed, no nonsense, a bit of a dominant side, military, ex-ranger. I don't smile much. Levi Creed, just think Matthew McConaughey, work on that accent a little bit more. I'm a successful businessman in Austin, and I just pour my heart into my work because everything else hurts, man. All right, all right, all right. Jameson Creed. I'm a narcotics officer for the Dallas PD. I cover up my grief by being a little bit lighthearted. I'll tell you some jokes. Maybe I'll massage your feet, but the, you can count on me to tickle them because I'm a tickler, ladies. This dude, I didn't tell you, he's got, a, he's got that steamy look. He's got like hair on his chest and a beard. I like it when dudes have hair. I don't know what's up with all these hairless dudes. <laughs> Not like I like dudes, but this is a pretty steamy picture. I'll try to make him funny. Jamison Creed, I'll tickle your feet, motherfucker. All right. The prodigal Joshua Creed. He's a little bit more soft-spoken. I'm quiet. I'm distant. I stayed away from the family, and my green eyes sparkle. <laughs> Silas Creed. I'm the angriest emotion, and most, I'm the most emotional brother since my sister's disappearance. I'm broody. I'm dark. I'm haunted by the loss of my other half. Yeah. I like it. That's it. I think we did it. Are you still with me? Is anybody listening to these stupid ramblings of mine? Anyway, I'm happy with that. I hope you're happy. And I'll tell you what, if you stuck with me, what I'll do now is I will play the prologue to the first book. This is the prologue to book one, The Executioner, which is already in progress and is being recorded. Thanks for sticking with me. Once again, I appreciate you. I appreciate you listening to me. You make me want to cry. I can't believe you made it this far. Oh, my God. I don't know what voice that was. All right. Thanks for hanging out with me. Here's the prologue. Prologue. Claire. Ten years ago. The first droplets of rain splattered onto my phone screen, so I tucked it away in my backpack and picked up the pace toward home. 
The earthy smell of a storm hit my nose as the wind buffeted my chlorine-drenched hair around my face. It was getting cooler now, and goosebumps broke out on my flesh. My teeth began to chatter just as the rumble of an engine came up behind me. I peeked to the road on my left as a dark blue pickup truck slowed to a stop at the curb. Hunter! I smiled at my perfect boyfriend's perfect timing and loped over to open the door, taking my backpack off and holding it in my arms to sit. Welcome warmth rushed over my skin as I slid into the seat. Thank God you're early, I... The truck lurched forward, and my heart lurched painfully in my chest. Something was wrong. Something was very wrong. One. Present day, Huntsville State Penitentiary. Death Row. 2300. The keys on my belt jingled in rhythm with my steps through the cell block as I struggled to hide my limp. My feet were unnaturally loud on the worn linoleum that had faded from pristine white to a dirty mottled cream, ground down from decades of far too much hate and violence and death. I had seen enough of those things to last a lifetime, and that was before I'd come to work here. I enjoyed my job as much as anyone can enjoy being a caretaker to a bunch of animals, because that's what most offenders were by the time they reached me. The lost ones of humanity, all angry or without hope, they were the ones nobody in civil society wanted to admit existed, unless that ugliness touched their pretty little lives. The ones we all lie and tell ourselves could only exist behind our television screens, or lurking in the deepest pits of hell. The ones we dare not admit could be us if we were ever forced to make a choice between life or death, survival or nothingness. I'd come entirely too close to that blackness more than once in my life. I knew it well. I understood it, felt it living and breathing within me at times. I passed John Moreau in his open cell, Tonight was his first and last night of relative freedom as he awaited his final judgment. Free to move about a common area, hug his family, eat his final meal of fried chicken. It was almost easy to confuse him with a normal man, except for his prison-issued orange jumpsuit. His intense, shark-like stare caught me as I strode by. Hey, Officer Creed. I paused and acknowledged him. Change your mind about that chaplain? He shook his head. Nah, I ain't got no need for that. I've come to terms with the punishment the great state of Texas has handed me, and with where I'm going. And where is that exactly? I couldn't help but wonder, did he believe in heaven? Would a merciful God allow him into the same glorious place where the angels fly? Was there a place anywhere for men like him? He pointed one tattooed finger skyward. I'm going upstairs to meet my maker, man. <laughs> it's all good. I eyeballed the man who'd created the biggest news story and manhunt in the state of Texas a little over ten years ago when he brutally murdered three people in cold blood, including a police officer. He was a shell of the man he once was, physically speaking. Unlike many inmates who worked out like fiends, he'd grown scrawny, gaunt, his cheeks hollow. 
but his eyes had never lost an ounce of their sharpness, making it feel as if he could see right through you. Did you need anything else? Just to talk, man. Kill some time before it lights out. I inwardly cringed at his casual disregard for the fact that he was about to be put to death for his crimes, but I stood my ground. I'd learned the hard way that you didn't trust any inmate. The scar on my right hand was testament to that. Still, Moreau had been a model prisoner since I'd arrived there as a slightly bitter ex-army ranger with a shattered thigh and a medical discharge. It was an ongoing struggle to find my way in a world that suddenly felt so foreign. But following in my father's footsteps felt like it could be right when everything else had gone so terribly wrong. What do you want to talk about? His eyes danced over me as if he was reading my thoughts, and a sly smirk floated over his lips. You got a girl? Nope. Family? I frowned. Everyone's got a family, Moreau. Even you. He laughed. <laughs> I meant, are you close to them? I debated what to say. I never crossed the line with prisoners by divulging too much personal information, but he was going to die tonight. What harm would there be in indulging him a little small talk? Yeah, we're close. Well, we had been before my sister disappeared ten years ago. Nothing had been the same since. You related to Warden Creed? He's my father, retired now. He gets you this job? I got it myself, but he put in a good word. You want to be the warden too someday? Haven't really thought about it. Just living the dream, guarding us common criminals. There's nothing common about you, John. He laughed again, harder this time. I like you, Officer Creed. I did not say I liked him too, and he seemed to get the idea. We changed the subject and talked a bit about his family and his crime and those that would be in the witness chamber to watch him take his last breath. I hope my mama comes, he murmured in the first hint of true regret I'd seen from him. Behind us, the far bar doors buzzed, then clanged open and shut as my fellow officer, Ray Gunn, joined us. Moreau's eyes lit up with a sadistic gleam, as I imagined he dreamed of all the ways he'd love to kill Gunn before he was put down. He hated Ray. Hell, everyone hated Ray, smug bastard. Officer Gunn, John said, drawing out the letters as if tasting his name. Ray ignored him and faced me. Time to get him dressed down into medical holding. Now he did face John. No stays from the governor, Moreau. You're going down, you sick bastard. Ray, I admonished, but John just laughed even harder than before. Gunn shot him a sneer, then sauntered off like he had all the time in the world. You heard him, John. Time to get dressed. I handed him the prison garb he had to change into, making sure he had nothing but his underwear on underneath. I reshackled him and led him to holding where medical staff took over, placing IVs. Then, when it was time, we moved into the execution chamber. A bland, sterile room, it still commanded the utmost respect. This was where we carried out the orders of the state of Texas, sending the condemned on for their final judgment. I didn't take my job lightly, but my conscience was clear. 
Most of the time, anyway. John climbed up and laid on the table, quiet as we strapped him down and took our places behind the curtains, safe from prying eyes in the witness area. Once the observation window blinds were lifted, I never tried to peek beyond the reflection of the glass. Our identities were to remain secret, yes, but more than that, I didn't want to see the teary eyes of heartbroken mothers or the stony glares of angry fathers. I'd seen enough of that between my parents and my four brothers to last a lifetime. Carefully, quietly, methodically, stuffing back any hint of emotion, I took my spot between Gunn and Officer Vasquez as part of the warden's appointed execution team. Warden Jones entered and read the death warrant to John and the witnesses, then allowed John a final statement. John had nothing to say. He simply shook his head twice and kept his eyes glued to the ceiling tiles, as if he could see above us all to the great beyond that he was headed to. The lights flickered above our heads, signaling it was time to proceed. The room was eerily silent as the drugs began to flow, one at a time, none of us knowing who administered the lethal medication. Time dragged at an unnatural pace. When it was done and death resounded throughout the silent room like the boom of a cannon, I bowed my head and thought of my sister, as I always did. Had some monster like John Moreau done something to her? Had she simply run away to find a new life far from here? Was she alive? Alone? Afraid? The questions plagued me and haunted my entire family. I finished my shift just as John Moreau's body was being loaded and transported to a local funeral home. Ironically, homicide would be listed as the official cause of death on his death certificate. I grabbed my lunch kit and pushed out the door into the back parking lot. Warm Texas air hit me in a welcome rush after the stale, recycled air of the prison. As I headed to my truck, a person crept out of the shadows in front of me. I automatically reached for the sidearm I no longer carried, my army ranger instinct still strong. How had someone gotten the drop on me? Some woman, I amended as she stepped out of the darkness and into the beam of one of the lights above us. I took inventory, my brain quickly analyzing friend or foe. Exotic dark skin, long black hair, and a body for days left me unsure. Those golden green eyes that focused on me like I was her prey unsettled me even more. Hello, she said, her voice smooth like straight-up whiskey. Can I help you? A small smile tilted up her lips like she was trying for professional and friendly at the same time. But I didn't miss the way her gaze raked me up and down. I hope so. My name's Genevieve Stone. I'm a freelance crime columnist, and I'm working on a story about the execution of John Moreau. The spark of attraction died a quick death at her words, the events of tonight too fresh in my mind. Sorry, no comment. I stepped around her and strode toward my truck, pissed that I hadn't recognized her for a media vulture, and instead I'd let myself be distracted by long legs and big eyes. How had she even gotten past the barriers set up for the news crews? Again, long legs and big eyes. I turned back. What station did you say you're with? I didn't. I'm not a TV reporter. I'm a true crime columnist. 
I write the juicy stuff. That was even worse. I shook my head and kept walking. Were you there tonight? I froze, then spun and faced the sexy yet relentless woman. My brow lifted. Were you? She froze, her eyes wary now. Yes. Then you saw all there is to tell. He was found guilty by a jury of his peers, sentenced to death, and killed by lethal injection. Case closed. So you were there. It was a statement of fact, not a question. I narrowed my eyes. I told you I have nothing to say, on or off the record. I slid up into my driver's seat and grabbed the door, but a small manicured hand grabbed it and held it open. Her demeanor morphed into desperate, hungry. Please, I really need this story. I need to get it right. I'm sorry, I can't help you, Mrs. Miss, but Genevieve is fine. Genevieve, well, well, well. You never mentioned you had a lady, Creed? Ray's cocky voice floated from behind as he headed to his car next to us. Genevieve spun around, and I frowned. Ray was nothing if not an attention hog. He would jump at the chance to be in the spotlight and bang the pretty reporter while he was at it. Something protective stirred in me. She may be a journalist fishing for a story, but she was still a woman, a beautiful woman. She's not my lady, I replied, my voice tight. She took one step in Ray's direction, and the words were out of my mouth quicker than a bullet. Fine, I'll talk to you. Off the record, nothing personal, and nothing specific to any case. Her smile, when she faced me again, stole my breath. Deal. She handed me her card, and the scent of lemons and berries floated into the cab of my truck. Call me at your earliest convenience, and we can arrange to meet. My cell number's on the back. I accepted the card that was still warm from her fingers. Okay. She spun and started to walk away. I frowned at the way Ray's hungry gaze ate her up. Suddenly, she pivoted back. I forgot to get your name. Asher Creed. Her smile grew as if that pleased her. Nice name. I pocketed her card. Thanks. Asher? I glanced up as her soft voice caressed my name like a lover. You'd better call. Don't make me come hunt you down again. She nodded at my truck with a sassy smirk. I know your license plate number. I can find you if you bail on me. I opened my mouth to retort, but she was laughing as she sauntered off into the night, the darkness eating her up as if she'd simply been a fantastical figment of my imagination. Yeah.